we're going to do some, um, a little bit of this for a second, a little emotional this. Um, I have very few words um, about the Supreme Court this week, uh, but I do, I think I want to say something out loud. Um, as you guys know, I, I'm sure, uh, if you don't, it's okay, but the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade, and collectively we all got stressed and held our breath as to the response that we're gonna see, right? Like we know it's not as simple as like a law passing and everything's good, everyone's gonna keep going. It's, it's gonna be more of the same. Division, hatred on both sides, arrogance, pride, the illusion of winning some war, the illusion of like waving the victory flag, we did it. And I was really surprised on Friday when I found out what happened. I, the first thing I felt was sad. And I almost felt sinful <laughs> for being like, man, I'm sad about that. But I just, I felt like we just, we long for things to be simple. We want to oversimplify everything. And we long to be right. And this conversation, as far as the church is concerned, deserves a ton of prayer, humility, relationship, conversation, and when I say that, I feel like I'm failing both sides. Neither side's gonna be happy with me. And I feel like the Spirit was like, what I'm, what I'm putting on your heart, neither extreme will appreciate, think is helpful or beneficial. They'll see it as a waste of time. But I feel like, I just wanna encourage you guys, if you are not taking a posture of humility and empathy and compassion on anyone and everyone that has opinions on this topic, if you go eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, I believe you're missing it. Jesus does not play by our rules. We need to get that through our heads. He does not abide by our culture, their wars, their arguments, their hate. He does not. And so if you're a Christian right now and you're just absolutely angry that I'm not touting this as some massive victory for Christians, I would challenge you. There's brokenheartedness everywhere. And someone needs to be the person of peace that's willing to love and have hard conversations. Someone's gotta be the person to not take the coward way out and just throw up a post and a hashtag. And I'm not saying this is the world we're in. You can't say one sentence without being like, okay, well, here's what I didn't just say. I'm not saying you are a coward if you hashtag. <laughs> Good for you. Like, use your voice, whatever. Like, it's not even whatever. Cool. But, <laughs> like, we are trying to be convinced to stop having a relationship with people that disagree with us. And it's only intensifying. You can't get more intense than a baby, than an innocent kid that hasn't been born yet. Even if that's, you may not even agree that it's an innocent kid that hasn't been born yet, you know? Like, it's tense. Pray. Don't talk to your friend. Don't talk to your spouse. Go pray. Go pray for three hours and pray the same simple prayer. God, help me. I don't feel your help yet. Help me. I don't know how to thank yet. Help me. I'll spend the next two years saying help me. And if I don't have a resolve or a resolution from how to talk about this, then I won't talk about it. I know James 1.18 quick to hear, slow to speak. Do not speak out of anger. The righteousness of God will not show up there. Receive the, the word of God with meekness. 
meekness, gentle, soft, sponge. Doesn't hurt to touch it. Safe. I can throw a sponge at you 100 miles an hour and it will not hurt you. I can be as aggressive as I want with the sponge. <laughs> Won't hurt you. James says, receive God's words like that. Gentle, lowly. And the minute you think you've reached your point of humility, remember, you have not tied Jesus's humility. There is room yet to grow. And he is inviting you to grow. Lord, help your church. Father, will you help us to be people of peace? We confess we don't know how to be wise. We're out of our water. We are at that gap where uh, human stops and God starts. And we really need you. Help us to refuse to play by the rules of the world. We keep wanting to make it so simple, God, as if life can be that way. Lord, help us to be patient. Help us to know we don't have to have a thought yet. We do not have to have an opinion yet. We keep feeling so pressured to have opinions. We're not actually letting you form our thoughts. Help us to like teach us to sit in your presence and go, you get to form my thoughts. Your word gets to form my thoughts. Not just what I believe about something, but how I go about talking about it and treating people. Holy Spirit, I just sense we're so far away from how Jesus would talk about this. Help us, Lord. And also, God, help us to understand when we're only being exposed to extremists and help us to get around real people and have real conversations so we can learn what real people are really thinking and feeling. In Jesus' name. All right, you guys ready for the, the, I promise you we would do this. And right now we've done this, okay? And we're about to do this. Uh, I want to invite Luke Lowe's to come up here. And uh, go ahead, Luke, come on. Um, he, uh, uh, don't get excited though, I'm preaching today. He's just telling a little story, all right? I'm preaching though. Um, don't do too good. I'm kidding. Uh, but no, real, hey, real talk, all joking aside, uh, Luke shared a story with me earlier, and um, I was just very thankful for it, and I wanted him to share with us. Morning. I got I to gotta take a breath after that. That's, that's real. Um, a few weeks ago in here, uh, I was blessed to share a message with you. And before we do that, a little behind the scenes thing is on Thursdays, we do this thing that's called teaching team where Joshua and Gentry and I uh, get in a room together and it's usually Joshua or Gentry preaching and we practice the sermon on one another and say, hey, what'd you think? What's this? How's this? You know, you kind of gives everybody a round to go. And that Thursday was my turn. And one of the first things Joshua asked me was like, who are you trying to reach? Is there anyone you're trying to reach or what's your message about getting across? And I said, my stepfather. I said, my stepfather is gonna be in this room on Sunday and he does not know the Lord. And he's like, really? So my stepfather and my mother sat in the back, back there, kind of where Cody and his wife are right now. Because of course, even if you're 43, when baby preaches his first sermon, they come up. And the night before, all of my friends are texting me, you know, like Brandon and Joshua, get lots of rest, get lots of sleep, you know, big day tomorrow. And I stayed up till like 2 a.m. Not only because was I ready for the game, but my stepfather had given his life to the Lord. And I was like, what? 
Are you kidding me? How this happened was my stepfather, Randy, is one of my best friends. I mean, dude, that's my boy. That's my dog. I mean, I bounce everything off of him, you know? And for two years straight, I had been praying for this man every single day. Not one day goes by. And for about a year of that, I was sending him text messages of, of scriptures, words, things like this, having conversations, you know, and I'm like, dude, take a look around. There's God, this, this reeks of intelligent design, right? And he's like, no, 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 no. You know what I mean? No, 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 no. So finally, after a year, the Lord tells me, just take your foot off the gas pedal. Like, you know what I mean? You've had it on cruise control for a while. Take your foot off the gas pedal. So I kind of left it. And then when my mother and my stepfather come up, what he had told me was the day before, Saturday, three weeks ago, he's like, you know, I was just kind of posturing my heart for this. You know, if you haven't been hunting in a while or you haven't been fishing in a while, or if the boys are like, let's go play soccer on Saturday, and you're like, we haven't played in a while. You're going to go out and kick the ball around and things like that. He had been reading the Bible that I'd given him a year ago. He finally took it out of the box and he started reading it. And then he started praying a little bit. And long story short, he gave his life to the Lord. And we sat up till 2 a.m. Sunday morning of how he'd given his life to the Lord. Now you gotta understand, I know this dude. This dude knows me. This is genuine. And then right after they go home on Sunday afternoon, or actually Monday afternoon, we're talking every single morning. And he's telling me these things, how he's witnessing to these people. And he's witnessing to, to, to his friends are in Arizona. And he's like, dude, I bought him a Bible. I bought him this coffee mug that says like hot numbers to call. And it's like, you know, John 14, six and like Psalms two. And then he's sending them also, what else did he send him? He sent them something else. Then the other day that this, this, this woman who lives in his apartment building is coming down and she's taking out the trash and this and that. And my stepfather just goes up to her and he's like, Hey, are you okay? She breaks down completely crying. Dude, he shares Jesus with her. He shares Jesus with her and she goes to think I was only taking out the trash. And what my stepfather is saying to me and all these things, I'm like, dude, hang on a minute, dude, time out. Like, I know you're reading your Bible and I know you're praying and I know you and I are having now these brother to brother devotional conversations every morning. But like, Randy, you're saying things that like, are completely biblical, spiritual, scriptural, Holy Spirit inspired. And I'm like, are you like studying? Are you like watching all these, you know, are you now like a YouTube theologian? You know what I mean? Like, and he's like, nah, it's just kind of coming to me. Dude, it's just kind of coming to me. So at any rate, he found the Lord and the Lord's working. Because let me tell you, I was really kind of at that point, like I wasn't hopeless, but I was kind of doubtful, you know? And like Joshua is saying, like, dude, you can, you can throw a sponge at somebody hundred miles an hour. You're not going to hurt them, you know? So um, I think there's belief in a glass of water a day, not a gallon of water a week. And I gave him that glass of water a day. And at one point the Lord's like, okay, he's drowning. Let him have it. It's our job to plant the seed. It's our job to water the seed. It's God's job to grow it. And dude, he grew it. Praise the Lord. How about that? I did the stupid face. Um, I realized that I never get videos because I'm always talking instead. And I really want you guys in my memes. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. So, man, uh, I challenge you to even go talk to Luke. Ask him more. 
He's real good about withholding details. Ask him more. That story's even more rich than it sounded. Um, but I just thought, man, yeah, that's, that's one of two guys that he's led to the Lord this month. And uh, if you guys have any questions around evangelism or around someone you love and what does it look like to talk about Jesus and pray for people, I have a theory. We all tend to overcomplicate that conversation. Luke oversimplifies it in a really good way. So that's a good guy to go talk to if you need some advice or some help. Also, uh, just quick reminder, salvation's real. It changes lives, transforms minds and understanding. Anyway, all right, uh, let's get to it. We're gonna be in Luke chapter 18. I wanna ask you a question before you turn there, though. (laughs) Have you ever been in a situation where you're in a car full of people your head is somewhere fun. Let's say like, hey, me and my buddies, we're hitting a road trip. Asher, you just did this. You went out west with some of your buddies. You ever been on a road trip? You're like, all right, y'all. Man, when we get there, you know, the ocean, it's gonna be so cool. Did you bring your swim trunks? Yeah, man, we're gonna get some chicks. Cool. Nine hours to go. You're 30 minutes in and you have to pee. You're in a car full of people. All the energy is around vacation. Let's get it going. Let's get on the road trip. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Prime time, momentum. We're going to get there before you know it. 30 minutes in, you're like, dang it, I forgot to go. And look, some of you are out here, and you're like eights on the Enneagram like me, um, and you're like, okay, so you just say, I got to go to the bathroom. But for the rest of you normal humans, you don't say it immediately, do you? When you got to pee in a car full of people, you do not say, I got to pee right off the bat, Right? There's stages that have to be walked through before you get to say, hey, I got to pee. Can I go? Can we pull over? Can we stop? Okay. Here's the stages. All right. Let's talk through them because it's real. Everyone's talking, laughing. You're hurting a little. (laughs) You're like, oh, laughed a little too hard. Let's talk about something serious. You know, like you start hurting. You ever do like the, before you said it out loud, you start adjusting in your seat. You got to get the bladder out of the pinch. You know, you're like, Right there, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. How's yeah? How's your week been? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, you even had to start adjusting the bottom part of the seatbelt because it squeezes a little too tight. You're like, just sometimes I could. I've done this, so maybe you haven't. But like, you pull a little bit of the bottom out to give yourself some slack and just kind of hide your hand right there and just hold it. Like, okay, breathe, baby. You're gonna be all right. <laughs> and you get one of two options. One of two things is gonna happen. One. Someone's going to speak up and God will prove that he hears your prayers. Someone else says, hey, I know we just started, but I'm a little hungry. Could we pull over? You're like, you know what? I'm a little hungry. Let's go to a restaurant with bathrooms, <laughs> you know? Like, uh, or two, you're going to be so on the verge of letting go that you go, hey, real quick, so super sorry, preface for two minutes. Uh, can we stop at a gas station in the next three hours? And that's way too long of a time, but that's all you got. Now, I'm giving you an extreme version. Most likely you actually go, hey, y'all, I'm about to pee my pants. I'm so sorry I didn't tell you earlier. Can we go, right? All that happened. If you've ever been in a situation like this, every part of that happened for one simple reason. You were uncomfortable sharing what you need. It's like so stupid. Think about the pain you went through. Think about the mental torment Think about the face you tried to hold when you really wanted to go, (laughs) (laughs) and you were just like, staying calm, and all your might was just, don't make a face. You know, like all that, why, why? Why'd you do that to yourself? That was stupid. You just didn't want to be embarrassed. You didn't want to be that person, you know? It's hard 
sometimes to share what you need. And if you're that kind of person, if you've ever had a moment where you're like, I genuinely need something shallow or deep or somewhere in between, and you've struggled to actually say it out loud, the sermon today is for you. Literally, if you're taking sermon notes, write this down, the title of the sermon, what do you need? What do you need? I really respect someone who knows what they need. Easier said than done, I think. You ever been in the car and been the other person? Someone just goes, hey, I know we just started. Can we pull over? Yeah, I need to pee. And, and, nothing, and it's very calm. They're like, oh, yeah, sure. And you're all over there like, you sly dog. You made that look so simple, didn't you? Just asking to pull over. You were so calm, cool, and collected the entire time. We're not the same, me and you. I would have waited much longer. I'm more of a man because I would have went through more pain. Have you ever been with someone where everyone was like kicking it, having fun, goofing off, and someone just got, got real for a second? Hey, guys, I need to talk about something that's really been hurting me. Like, it's, it's making me hard. What did the group do? Did they, were they like, no, jokes only, stone him. Like, of course not. Like, they were like, yeah, let's talk. I respect that. But it's hard when you're the person. It's easy to be the person hearing someone say, I got a need. It's hard to be the person going, I'm going to speak up. I got needs. And so today, we're going to meet a man who knew what he needed, and he had the boldness to ask for it, and he knew who to ask. And so we're going to be in Luke 18. We're going to read verses 35 through 45. This story is amazing. I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. I'm reading out of the ESV. I'm going to take a sip of water, and then uh, I'll read this to us, guys. All right, Luke 18, let's meet a guy that I respect. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging, and hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. There's a blind man begging, he hears chaos, and he asks people around him, what's going on? They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. When he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people. When they saw it, they gave praise to God. All right, I got a, a classic three-point sermon for you today. So there's three reasons I respect this guy, this blind beggar. First reason, he knows what he needs. I think that's really cool. He's aware. The second reason, he's willing to ask. He's willing to ask. The third reason, he knows who to ask. Now, this might feel simple to you, but I really want you to come with me on this journey because this man's impressive, and I think he has some stuff to teach us, all right? Um, so first, he knows what he needs. He asked for two things. What are the two things he asked for? Mercy's one, sight's the other. He says, I need mercy, 
I need to see those two things. He gets Jesus' attention with mercy, and then he asks for sight when Jesus draws near. All right, so he knows what he needs. I believe that knowing what you need is much easier said than done. All right? I believe that. I want us to get on the same page there. It may be legitimately difficult to know what you need. And I say that because I think you think you know. And I think I think I know. And I think I think I think. Anyway, all right. So I want to ask you, do you know? Do you know what you need? Are you willing right now to like meditate on that question? Are you waiting for the classic pastor rhetorical question moment to just pass by? When's the last time you asked yourself, what do I need? I think it's a really important question. I'm convinced that so many of us are are, are walking around at such a pace, our check engine lights on, but nothing's on fire, nothing's smoking, so we're just gonna keep it in cruise control. (laughs) That's how I treat my car, typically. Yeah, that's fine. It's probably just oil. (laughs) I'm convinced that some of us are going too fast, going too hard, and somewhere down deep, our body, our, our soul's like, hey, this ain't working, but we can't hear it. We're unaware of it. I'm convinced it's because we're too distracted. We're scared. We're fast. I also think low-key, we're too busy knowing what we need to know what we need. It's super weird. We're like in the the information tower of Babel. We're like reaching the heavens with all of our information. We got so much info. And you know what so much of marketing is, is, hey, you need this right? It's not just like clothes. It's like, no, you need this vitamin. You need this diet. Y'all, I wish you could hear how many life-changing conversations Lee and I have every day. They're not actually life-changing, but we're convinced they are. Hey, babe, saw us on TikTok. Did you check? Did you check it? Did you look? I haven't looked yet, baby. Look at it, because I think it's as big. I'm like, hey, babe, I just heard this about raw liver. Raw liver. Has anyone heard the raw liver stuff? It's out and about. If you haven't, you will. Apparently good for you. I apparently take a little every day. Oh, gosh. But so much of Leonas' conversation can be around like, hey, I think this diet, I think this app, I think this thing, I think this trip, this, 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 this. And I swear, Leah and I, like, she's nodding her head. I think this is very real. We live in this perpetual state of, I know what we need now. And over and over and over again, it's like, this is what we need, this is what we need. And now we're stuck in the algorithm and they got us right where they want us. Because now all of our ads are like, hey, this will help your neck. I know your neck's been hurting. I'm like, how'd you know that? Oh, yeah, I talked about it out loud, and then you definitely were listening. Okay. Uh, you know, this diet, this supplement, this thing, and they've got me right where they want me. They're like, I'm like, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the one. And I feel like I'm so busy meeting what I know I need that I've forgotten how to ask what I actually need thus can never get the answer. It's, it's a, I need this inception. You ever seen inception? You're like, I kind of know what's going on. I kind of don't. We'll figure it out. It's a weird proportion, you know? 80% know what's going on. That's what it's like trying to figure out what do you actually need? Because if you're like me, you spend so much time trying to make a better you, you look up two years later and you're like, am I different? 
Oh, shoot. <laughs> like, did anything happen? Ah, how can I be this invested in how I'm doing and not improving at a rapid pace? I mean, I'm ultra invested. Y'all aren't thinking about fixing your lives as much as I am. You might be tired. You're not beating me at it. I'm really trying to get better. And I'm really not getting that much better. Tangent over. Maybe we're too scared to even ask ourselves. There's this gut instinct in our souls. We know if we'll slow down long enough and in our souls answer the question honestly, we're scared of the answer. Maybe you got a gut instinct. Maybe you're scared you're gonna have to let something go. It's like that door with all the junk behind it and it's locked and like, don't open that door, dude. A bunch of stuff might fall out, trample you and leave you stuck and trapped. Can it not be how it feels? When you actually gotta get vulnerable and you can tell for some reason you don't wanna be? You're like, I don't know what's gonna happen on the other side of that door. So I don't care what I need. I'm just gonna keep being this robot until I work through whatever feelings are happening down there. Maybe we're scared, it's hard. And you treat your needs like the one who must not be named in Harry Potter. I've never watched all seven, but I just thought that'd be a good cultural reference. <laughs> Voldemort, you know, can't say that. That's how we treat our needs. Let's move on, you're too scared. All right, maybe we're going too fast. You know, I think we're fast. And there's two versions of fast that I wanna highlight. First is calendar. Your calendar is, is literally demanding your life. It is telling you what you're doing. It is telling you who you're becoming and you don't even know what's happening. You just know you're on to the next thing. You're underestimating how not extroverted you are. You keep saying yes to people. You keep saying yes to stuff and you're going so fast you never stop. Or maybe for some of you, I'm sorry to say this, you're actually not that busy. You're just addicted and your brain's tired. That's what's happening. You're not that busy. You're only gonna get busier, just to let you know, youngins, all right? It doesn't slow down, <laughs> it goes up. And you gotta start making harder and harder decisions to fight for stillness in your mental. And right now it's chaos. If you don't know what a phone is, a phone is utter chaos. Think about how many times you see a different picture in a day. Switch apps, next email, next TikTok, next YouTube, next note, next, I almost said calculator. Do you guys use your calculators very often? <laughs> Not a good reference maybe. Next calculator thing that you have. That's chaos. And your brain's gotten used to just going pop, 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 pop. And you try to sit still on what's your brain doing? You're like, all right, let's just busy myself again because trying to think is awful. Your brains are busy and it's exhausting. And y'all, I just wanna let you know, I've noticed this. My biggest revelations about what I really need to do to be a healthier version of me almost have always come when I was sitting still long enough to let myself realize it. You knowing what you need requires stillness. It requires you slowing down long enough to listen. You got layers to you. And it takes time to get through those layers. And if you don't sit still long enough and ask yourself, hey, real talk, what do I need? You're doing yourself a disservice. And you're gonna keep meeting needs that aren't needs, and they aren't cultivating a better you. And maybe they're making some differences, but your greatest needs are going unmet because you haven't even heard them yet. You're going too fast, you're too distracted, you're too scared, you're too something. And if we wanna be like this man who knew what he needed, 
We gotta slow down. We gotta be still. We gotta reflect. Number two, he's willing to ask. So this man, this blind beggar, knows what he needs. He needs mercy, he needs sight, but also low-key, he needs bravery to call out. Like this man was blind and he had the boldness to call out to Jesus. And part of you is like, well, of course, it's Jesus. This guy don't know Jesus like that. It's actually kind of weird that he just like, pun, blindly believes that Jesus is the Messiah. Sorry about that pun. Thank you, Jalen. One guy is doing this. Good job. It's actually kind of weird that he has the guts to go, Jesus, I need to ask you something. Like, think about it. How many doctor's appointments had this dude been to? How many comments had he heard on his condition? I wonder if he even went to other religions, witchcraft, something, someone that can heal me of my sight. Like, I need to see. I wonder how many life experiences he had that taught him, do not ask. You are blind. That is permanent. Don't underestimate, dude. This dude was bold. And then what happens when he, when he musters up the courage the very first time? He cries out, son of David, have mercy. What happens? What happens? Literally look down, Luke 18, 35 through 45. What happens after the first cry? He's rebuked. They don't even give the blind beggar a front row seat. The people on the front row turn around and tell him to pipe down. They're too busy trying to look at Jesus. They're like, hey, dude that's suffering, crying out for Jesus, be quiet. We're trying to hear Jesus, you know? Classic church people. Isn't that true of life? You got this little voice in you crying out for what you need, and the first time you muster up courage, that split second your phone rings. That split second you get distracted. That split second an email comes in hey, you actually missed this bill. Oh my gosh, shoot, okay. Two hours later, through all the automated messages, finally got there, paid the bill, great. Wasn't even my fault, cool. What'd you forget? You cried out. And the world came in there, the enemy came in there and distracted you the minute you finally worked up the courage to finally say the thing. You finally knelt down, you're finally about to utter the prayer and Satan knows that. And someone in that metaphorical front row turns around and goes, not right now. Just do it later. Tomorrow is always a better time to be vulnerable. Tomorrow is always the best. You know what? I'm the most generous in theory. You know how generous I am in theory? I've given away so much money in hypotheticals. Me and Leah, man, you know what we want to do? We want to give like $3,000 to this person. For no- we haven't done that. We just talk about it. It's so easy to do that. Why did I say that, though? I don't know why I got up on that. I don't know where I was. What was I saying? Maybe I was trying to connect the the in theory dot. I don't know. Can we keep moving on? All right. I don't know why I was making that point, but I really had something when I started talking. All right. Um, All right. So he gets silenced. Okay, let me get back to my notes. All right. For this man, I think it's really important we learn that he has a grit that we could learn from. We could really use, I think especially as we journey with Jesus in this world. Y'all, I'm gonna be honest. We had a pre-worship meeting and we were just processing what our weeks looked like and what's going on in the world. It's hard out here. It is not for the faint of heart. We need to learn from this blind man who already has plenty to complain about to press the eject button and opt out, okay? 
I'm just, I think it's safe to say if most of us are blind, we're opting out on faith, okay? Like, peace out, I'm gonna find my other way to be happy. But he refuses to take no for an answer. He keeps crying out. Hebrews 4.16 says, approach the throne with boldness and confidence. He's boldly asking as many times as it takes. He's gonna keep asking. I wanna ask you this. If you have a need, how willing are you to say that need out loud? I really wanna ask you that. How willing are you to cry out to God, God, I need this. How willing are you to, to call on your brothers and sisters in the church family and just go, I got a need and I'm tired of playing pretend. I'm tired of pretending like I don't have needs. Like if you think about Acts 2, what's it marked by? The generosity of the church. It says every need that pops up, it was met by the church. So within the church, there were needs and there were needs being met. Do you know what's required to meet needs? Needs. Needs are required to meet needs. And I'm convinced that a lot of us grew up in church culture and we prefer a church where we meet needs, we don't have them. And so what do we do? The classic Christian combo. How are you? you need anything? No, I'm good. You need anything? No, I'm good. No, you're not. Neither of you are good. How did y'all just have that conversation? Both of you lied. And I'm not telling you that every time we talk, we need to like go up through our whole testimony and go, so that's why I need this today. You know, we don't always have to do that. I understand small talk has its place but I fear we're not nearly vulnerable enough with each other and with God about what we actually need. A part of the fact, like the DNA of the church being born are people being willing to go, I got a need, with joy in their hearts because they're saying it to a family that wants to meet it. There's no shame. There's no lesser than. There's no like, I'm up here. You're it's just, and that's what we do. This Wednesday at house church, someone opened up about some really intense trauma, really intense stuff, and they had the boldness to say it out loud. And the whole room got to like, all of us just felt it at the same time. That's real. This is worth talking about. And I would hate it to know that you held all that in your heart and didn't feel like you could say it. You can say it. Who are we if we can't do that here? Guys, ask God what could be in this room if we would increase in our vulnerability with one another, look around you. Right now, you are surrounded. I got up, I got off the stool. <sighs> I look around this room and I, legitimately, with pure integrity and honesty, I see so many stout men and women of God that are awesome, they're worth knowing. They're worth modeling your life after them. Like if you don't know Jalen, know Jalen. Jalen's the man. He's, he would love to pray with you, right? Like, if you don't know Alex, Alex would love, Johanna, Abby, like, there's so many. I could, I could literally name all the church. We need to be asking God, increase our vulnerability in this room. No one wants to meet needs more than the Lord. And no group should be better at meeting needs than the church. But you know what's weird? I think in tradition, like a pastor would challenge people to meet needs. I'm going to challenge you to say your needs. You don't even worry about meeting them. And the person here that's like a two on the Enneagram, and I've referenced the Enneagram one too many times, which is twice. But if you're like, no, I want to meet needs. I feel called to do it. That's okay. But right now, I want you to force yourself through the difficulty of going, no, right now, I just want to have needs. I want to be aware of my needs. 
then maybe I can tell someone else and we can lock in and pray together. Anyway, I think there's room to grow in our vulnerability. It takes courage though, y'all, to talk about physical, spiritual, mental, whatever. It takes courage. We can't underestimate that. I'm not telling you it's easy. It took courage for this blind man. It's gonna take courage for us. Number three, he knows who to ask. He doesn't just know what he needs. He doesn't just have the courage to ask. He's smart enough to know who to ask. And you guys think this is obvious, but 99.9% of the time, every last one of us overthinks this step. And every last one of us goes to anyone but the Lord for our needs. Anything, anyone. We'd rather have a conversation with our spouse. We'd rather have a conversation with our best friend. Anyone but the Lord. I found that in myself. Christian community is really good at talking about everybody, you're talking to everyone but the Lord. And like really asking the Holy Spirit to go to work. Notice when they tell him who's around. Hey, who is that? It's Jesus. He doesn't go, okay, thanks for letting me know. Hey, do you know a doctor? I've, I've gone to like several, but I, I really am hoping to overcome this blindness, right? He doesn't go, oh, thanks, that was Jesus. Okay, cool. Hey, will you pray that I could be healed? Hey, will you just touch my face and like say a, a weird word in a different language and just see what happens? <laughs> see if we can make some voodoo happen here. In the middle of the conversation, I, I get the sense he's kind of rude about it. Hey, who is that? Jesus is that Jesus! Shut up. Jesus, say! Son of David, son of David, have mercy. That's Je Jesus, I don't get to, Jesus, Jesus. If that, if that is Jesus of Nazareth, that's the son of David. We don't use language like this. When I'm worshiping, I don't sing, son of David. So we don't know what that means. But to them, that's prophetic. That's Isaiah 11, I believe. From the root of Jesse, from the stump, from the shoot of Jesse, I can't remember, it's weird language, but from Jesse will come the one, the Messiah, son of David. It's, this is the Messiah, the savior of the world. So when they say Jesus of Nazareth, he goes, oh, God, God is near. The same God of 1 Samuel the God that watched people make mess after mess after mess after mess after mess and just stayed true, responded to cries for mercy, responded to the cries of the people whenever they would humble their hearts and seek his face, he always answered. So this guy goes, that's Jesus? I know exactly what to do. And here's what I love. He's got a cheat code that all of us need to know. He totally cheats right here. He makes a request that Jesus, he knows for a fact, has to respond to. He says, Jesus, give me mercy. I need mercy, Jesus. Oh my gosh. I'm tired. I don't know what to do. No one has answers. Oh, Jesus, please. Please give me mercy. And it's so sweet because Jesus will answer that. Like every time. I don't know if he's gonna heal my grandma of cancer or heal this little autoimmune disorder I got, but I know if I want mercy, it is there. God gives mercy. How many of you know that God gives mercy? How many of you are too busy being consumed about what you quote unquote need? You forget the mercy God's given you, the grace he's shown your life. This man's smart enough to go, before I'm asking for him to heal my sight, I need mercy. 
I need the mercy of God in my life. He calls out for mercy. Recently in my own life, I know this will sound crazy, or maybe, no, it won't. It'll sound so normal. I have forgotten, I've literally forgotten that I can run to God and boldly, with all my emotions that you know I got in my chest, just ready to let them out, tell the Lord, hey, I need you so bad. (laughs) Hey, for real, I can't keep doing this. And this ain't it. This cannot be my life with you. This is not enough. I'm not content with all my idolatry. I'm not content with all my busyness, all my distraction. If this is life in you, it's not worth it. And I know this isn't what life with you looks like. I need more of you, God. And you know what stinks about how my brain works? I know for a fact it's my fault that I'm distant from the Lord. And then I use that as a voice to prevent me from asking God for more of God. Because how can you ask someone for more of them when you've been ignoring them? That's a really selfish friend. But here I go again, applying the logic of the world to something God does not abide by. Do you know that no matter how much you have ignored the Lord, no matter how much sin you're in, no matter how lost in darkness you are, no matter how lost you are and you have no way out, that God will answer your cry for mercy every single time with joy in his heart. Joy, not even close. He's so thrilled. Every time his kid calls out for mercy, for presence, for more of him, he will answer. I'm not sure how the timeline works or all the feelings that accompany that answered prayer. He will answer it. And I forgot that. On Monday, I went to Severe. I felt led to go there, and also I didn't want to be a liar when I preached this sermon. I started praying. God, I need you. I don't even believe that, but I do need you. And I kept saying it. I didn't have some deep, complex prayer. I just kept saying, Lord, I need you. I, seriously, in a very real way, I need you. And I swear, every time I just kept repeating, it was like a jackhammer. But not like, like aggressive, but just gently like getting lower and lower and lower into where my real like heart is like the need center of my heart. You ever realize that when you start praying the first five, 10, 30 minutes, it's just stone cold? You can tell you're not really there. Like, I'm trying, God. What does it look like to really talk to you? You need time. But man, I tell you, after I just kept praying the same desperate prayer, I need you, I need you, I need you. I felt my heart start to open up. I felt him reminding me that I really love him, that he really cares. And I started believing it again. And I kid you not, as of Monday at like 12, I'm not sure how much I believed it. But about 1.30, I started believing it a little bit more. I believe that God totally wants to talk to you. He totally wants to know your needs. And he doesn't just want to give you mercy. He wants to tend to your needs. He also might want to tell you what you need. You may not fully know. But I believe that you are a desperate few prayers away from experiencing the goodness, the gentleness, the mercy, the compassion of Jesus. He knows what you need. He really cares. You need to know. 
You need the courage to ask. You need to ask him. And I want to call you to do that. Today, but also this week, if you don't have a place that you go, man, that's the place. If you can't visualize like a closet, a park bench, maybe the driver's seat of your car, if you can't visualize a safe space for you to go and just sit there in the presence of God and in desperation go, Lord, I'm not leaving until me and you have had a moment here. I'm as stubborn as the blind man where the people in the front go, hey, be quiet. Mm-mm, no way. Not gonna be quiet. Even as you feel the old you and the new you, go, okay, I guess we're fighting today. Let's box it up, me and you. Old ways versus new ways. Holy Spirit, help me fight. Keep pressing in. God wants to know your needs. He wants to meet your needs. We gotta slow down. We gotta slow down and we gotta cry out. We gotta pray for boldness. So I wanna invite us over communion. We're gonna do communion on our own. We're gonna take like a certain amount of time. You don't need to worry about it. Time gets in our way way too much. You're, you're in this like rhythm right now where you're already like, okay, watch, watch. The Lord wants to talk to you right now. Stop worrying about what time it is. Don't look at your phone. Just leave it in your pocket. Leave it in your purse. And for the next five to seven minutes, I just want you to ask the Lord, what do I need? What do I need? Are you willing to show me? Will you please show me? Just sit there and ask him. And then we'll take communion together as a church. But for right now, I just want you to have that prayer. What do you need? So let's play some, let's play some little in-house, like soft, chill music. And I encourage you, this is about you and the Lord, not what everyone else is doing. Don't worry if you make a noise as you shuffle in your seat. If you want to get up and walk around, but go to the Lord. Talk to him right now. Be in his presence. Don't worry about your neighbor. God wants to talk to you. Father, whether you want to do something really special right now in a firework kind of way, or if you're just trying to teach us how to patiently seek your face, we're in. Help us to be in, Lord. Whether we have 0% belief, 100%, or somewhere in between, God, will you help us just to talk to you?